Welcome to part two of episode 49 of the Football United vs Soccer City podcast. In part two, I continue to converse with Jerry Walker about his football life. Sincere thanks to Jerry for allowing me to speak with him for over two hours in his home. I sincerely respect his time. Please enjoy the second part to episode 49. So you had a great 1979 with Coniston and then the trip to New Zealand. You come back and then in the next two years in 1980 and 81, Coniston were uh, one of the top teams in the Illawarra Premier League. And under under the coach, Robert Fryer, um, you were very successful. And in 1981, um, although in the league year you came second to Shell Harbour, you then beat them in the grand final 1-0. What do you remember of, of the grand final in 81, Jerry? Yeah, well, my, as you mentioned, Bobby Fryer, we were called, Coniston side then, were called the Silver Tails by our, um, by our enemies. Um, it was probably due to the team that Bob put together. He sort of hand-picked players to join the club. But yeah, relating back to the, the grand final, it was actually, I'd just like to hint a little bit on the semi-final. Yeah, because definitely. Because we, uh, we played, uh, we played Shell Harbour, down at Shell Harbour, and... Uh, uh, we beat them 1-0 um, and, and we got a penalty kick and I was the one that put the ball in the back of the net so <laughs> I had to get that one in Travis yeah so that was that was that and, we and, on, and that so, game uh, sorry to interrupt yep, sorry. Um, Ron Vandervoord uh, said that that was a pretty heated game and, and because you guys were the one and two teams in the league that year um, that it had a bit of spice to it yeah it was it was, it was a typical probably in all honesty mate, it was a better game than what the grand final was um, we got a penalty kick fairly early, but uh, two two fairly aggressive sides, and it was uh, obviously playing for a grand final spot, which is a which is a very big thing. Um, but we we hung on, you know. The Shell, Shell Harbour flung everything at us, but as our defence held out well, and uh, yeah, all the way through to the grand final. Then, so then uh, Shell Harbour then uh, defeated whoever they defeated to to get back into the grand final against. Um, Coniston. So, what was that 1981 grand final like? Yeah, well, that was played at Memorial Park at Cornwall. Um, uh, one of the things was that game was actually televised. Oh wow! Yes, yes, it was. Uh, and George Ramage was the was the chap who was doing the commentary on the game. But as I said, the the um, it wasn't the best of grand finals. It was uh, a lot of people said it was a bit disappointing. But it's like everything else, you know, you play a grand final to win it, and we did that. Uh, Football wasn't the best, whether it was the, the occasion that got to some of the players or something like that. But um, yeah, again, again, we were a pretty resolute side, and Bobby had Bobby had Bobby had sort of disciplined to, disciplined us to that. But to do the double over them within the space of something like three weeks was great great for us. Uh, again, it was one 0 result. Uh, Ronnie Vandervoort scored the goal. Um, yeah, other than that, mate, that uh, that was didn't really have a lot to say. Other than the celebrations, of course, after the game, it was it was very very good for the club. And and where did uh, Coniston in that period? Uh, did they drink at Coniston Hotel? Yeah, they did. Yeah, that was one of our sponsors, and uh, that was one thing about Robert. Also, did he, he he um he built quite a very good relationship with the sponsorship, and uh, but the Coniston we had some we had some great nights back up there. Yeah. And over sort of those, you played uh, at Coniston up until 83, and um, you were there and you played with the likes of, like you said, Fryer, Vandervoord that we've spoken about, um, Van Ede, Midgley, Bragg, Astle, um, uh, Phillips, Fleming, Rutherford, Norris, Televsky, um, Vinton, Gleason, Dodd, Serson, Quirk, um, Matthias, Lassick. So there was some quality players in yeah. In, the, in that period so can you speak about maybe how they lined up in that period roughly who was goalkeeper who was in defence midfield up front or, yeah, or... Yeah. I think Jeff Jeff was in goals from the first started Jeff Astle Jeff Astle he, he, was he, was goal, he was goalkeeper but I think later on we got um, a chap called Vasco Vasco I think his name was Talevsky yep too sure he was very very good you know for a district football goalkeeper great attitude um you know, Will, Will to win was was there, and he was a very very good goalkeeper. And in defence, yeah, we had a good all round side. You know, uh, Brian Midgley was left fullback, had a fair bit of speed. Yep. Um, 
Dave Fleming was, was again, he was a bit of a utility player. He could play, play here, positions. there and everywhere, so he's very good. Um, uh, Ron, Ron, was it Ron? Or one of the Van Eads was centre-back. Yep. Um, Bobby was a play, Bobby played out, in the, out wide in the right. Um, Ronnie Vanderbilt, he, he had heaps of pace. That was, that, that was, that's what got his goal, actually. He sort of outstripped the Shell Harbour defence and <laughs> knocked the ball in the back of the net. Uh, Stephen Quirk, nicknamed Salah, he he, <laughs> was, he was incredible, man. He was he was only about five foot six, but his heart was probably just about as big, you know. Yeah, yeah. But really going through them all, it was that was the one thing about us, mate. We we um we played for one another, we fought for one another, and um, that was it. You know, we really we really had we really had a good all round competitive side. Uh, if it hadn't have been like like to beat Shell Harbour. Over two games in the three weeks, not to repeat myself, but it was it was no mean feat. And they they were a strong side, coached by John Bingham, and, and much, um, he very, he was a, a player coach just like Bobby yeah, was. Very much so, you know. So it was um, yeah, we're pretty happy chappies when we come off the field. Yeah. So for yourself, um, even in this period in sort of eighty to eighty three, you then sort of took up the reins of youth grade coach. Yeah. So. Part of you was obviously thinking at that point that you know I've still got plenty to do as a player, but I'd like to start coaching. Uh, start coaching your team. Yeah, well, the whole thing about coaching at youth ball, youth football, sorry, uh, that I feel was you know you you don't get very often where you walk straight into a, an established team, yep. you know, a team that's been handpicked and this type of thing. So you're faced then with uh, teaching. Players, some who are good, some who are different, and so on. But you've really got to look at it on the overall thing as to how they progress through the season yeah. and things like this, you know. But uh, I've always believed, and it's something I've been taught as a youngster myself. Um, you look at attitude, you look at character, you know, um, you look at commitment, and and also respect. You know, I think it's it's good to have respect for your coach. It's good to have the respect for people and character. You know. Even even if it's not involved in soccer, you you, you get you get a good build up a good character. It's good for people later on in their life. And for yourself, do you think it helped that you were a, a proven and successful first grader at the club, and that you could demonstrate that okay, what I'm teaching you in youth grade and how I want you to play and how I want you to be is how I'm observing myself for training and then on the field yourself. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. And you know, and I think the good thing about Connison too is. Uh, we did. I forgot to mention Philly Mathias, who was an yeah. extremely good player, and a young fella called Anthony Roburn. Yeah, you know they were two young boys who came into the Coniston first grade side, so the youth players could see, see these guys. These guys are getting a chance. You know, so why are why are they getting a chance? So they had that gave them gave them a target. gave They gave them something to achieve. But another thing that I felt when I was coaching, which I always thought you'd go out there and you'd be doing something. And then you turn around and pause a little minute and say, gee, you know, that's something I can learn even now when I'm still playing. Yeah. So it, it sort of refreshes your memories. You were telling these boys what to do, and in the game yourself, you probably weren't doing it. So, you know, there was lots of, lots of times I actually it rang a bell in my head. You know? So it helped you because you were still playing in, in first grade at the time. Yeah, but it was more or less, youth grade football, as far as coaching is concerned, is about the development of yeah. individual players. And and then, as I say, at the end of the season, you know, you see a guy progressing. You can see guys progressing, and again, it's up to the individual then, you know, to the commitment that they give and whether they want to go on with it, and some who don't. And that's 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 probably the good thing about district football. You know, it wasn't winning. Winning is the name of the game, but at the end of the day, you know, people have got to enjoy it too. So you had those players that were quite happy in their in their, in their in circle, space, yeah. and others wanted to to kick on and have a go at it. Yeah, yeah. So you obviously enjoyed it to the extent that you wanted, I guess, a chance at first grade. And so your time at Coniston in 83 came to an end as a player and as a youth grade coach. So did you want to stay on at Coniston or did Fernhill then come and approach you for the 84 season? No, I think um, I think uh, it was getting a new, a new thing where was like everything else you're getting towards the end of what, what you feel you can give. Um, but the opportunity came up for Fernhill, and I so I put a I put an application in, yep. you know, and, and I was invited down for an interview with the with the committee, and and uh, I went along. I went, and um, 
And, yeah. and what do you recall of that interview? Were you slightly nervous because uh, you you developed, I guess, um, a slight coaching style in in your three years at Coniston mm. as a youth grade coach? Yeah, exactly. But now uh, an established Premier League club that had yeah. a good squad of players. Were you a bit nervous going into that meeting? I was oh, probably. I can't really remember to be quite honest. <laughs> but the one thing that I was, I was confident in what I said and confident what it was about. You know, they were they were more or less indicating that there was a few people in for it and hadn't quite made up their mind. Uh, and I remember sort of, you know, putting my point across. And I actually finished up leaving the club. It was down at Cornwall, leaving the club and coming home. Yep. And there was a little bit of a, I don't know, a debate or, or whatever. I don't I wasn't aware of what, what they talked about. But anyway, I got a phone call about an hour and a half after I came home saying, yep. look, look, there was the... You've got the job. Uh, would, 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 if if this happened, you know, would you be prepared to join the club? So, I decided, yeah, that's it. Yeah, so, and apart from uh, then going on a coaching journey, what about yourself? Um, how are you feeling personally from a playing perspective? Because at that point in time, um, although we'll talk about that, you did uh, pull on the boots for um, Alston and Funnel at, at Coromel Rangers yeah. uh, in in nineteen ninety, I think it was, but. Um, how were you feeling? Because this was sort of a start of a new journey, but the end of the playing journey. Yes, well, that, I suppose it's something that always comes through people's minds or creeps in. But when I went down there and the boys that were there at the time really, really came along with me, you know, yep. they really did. Trained very, very hard, you know, pre-season, did the sand hills down there at East Coromel. <laughs> The one thing I always said, though, and I probably later, I may, might have mentioned earlier on, I always believed a, a variety of training was 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 good, but uh, our preparation for the season was was magnificent, and um, the boys were way ahead of many of the other opposition players that came against, came upon. So, uh, so there wasn't an opportunity for me to pick myself yep. on the side first and foremost. Um, were you were you a bit conflicted thinking because you'd. You know, only a year or two before, you're at the heights of a top Premier League team, mm. and and you thought, well, I know they're going good, but did you still think that you be conflicted that I could influence or help? No, not really. You know, okay. they, they they were they were really had it been the other way, Travis, I may have done. Yep, that's uh, hypothetical. Is that the right word to yeah, use? Yeah, definitely. But uh, no, they, 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 the way that they played and the way they started off, they they, they were. They were quite happy, and I was quite happy in my role because that was really I was enjoying it. Was I had a buzz doing it, you know? As I said before, I went down to training, I had everything set out as to what I was doing and all this. So it was a that 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 satisfied me more than anything else. And and like you said uh, a couple of minutes ago, you liked variety in training, and and I'm assuming that came about because over, you know. 20 odd years you'd you'd been under numerous coaches seen what yep. worked what hadn't worked what you liked what you didn't like and yep. and you'd been able to now put your own plan together yep. yeah yeah no it was, it was as i say uh magnificent you know in the first season it was it was really really good we uh, the only my recollection is that the only side that we lost to was actually bulli uh, yep. we lost both home and away matches uh, other than that, we had a pretty clean slate. Well, um, you're pretty humble there, Jerry. In your first coaching year, you took Fernhill to the league championship. Um, I don't call it minor premiership. No, I, no. I don't think it's minor at all when you're, you're the best team home yeah. and away. And, and then um, in Australian football, you've got a, a grand final series or a final series and, and you won the grand final. So you did the double. So um, you must have been uh, huge huge sort of feeling in you that wow this is great and and the club uh, has come along with you mm, yeah it's a dream come true um uh, again uh, i think we won the we won the competition we fairly fairly clear when i say fairly clear it's probably seven seven or eight points or something yep. like that and we went on to play bulli um we we won our first game i think it was against balambi um, we went straight into the grand final then, and then we waited to see who came through, and the team that came through was Bulli. <laughs> yeah. And and what do you recall of uh, the '84 grand final? Oh, fantastic! Again, good crowd, lovely day. Um, the presentation, you know, walking out, lining up with, with the opposition teams, and uh, 
Russell, the most important thing, Travis was the, the scoreline. We finished yeah. up winning five one. Yeah, um, a pretty a pretty emphatic yeah, scoreline. Yeah, so it was yeah. When did the goals sort of were scored, and and what do you recall of the game as best you can? Yeah, I think I think we went up one nil. Um, maybe not in this order, but I'll, I can go yeah. into the goal score. One nil at half time. I think fifteen minutes into the second half, we got another goal. Then um, they got one back, and it's the same old story. Better hold on here, but we had a quick reply, and we just finished off. We just completely overrun them, you know, determination, skill, speed. Again, we had some tremendous players up front, you know, um, Gary Prooks, Peter Thompson, Stephen Quinn. In midfield, we had uh, Alan Thompson, um, Ian Lewis, Paul Salabank yep. and um, fullbacks was skull as we called him. Neil Sutherland, I think he then was. <laughs> we had another player come in. We got from from I don't even know. He was an ex Bulleye player. Um, oh gee, I just forget his name. But he's very very good. And Justin Justin Norris Justin Norris was in goals along with um, oh of course um, the gal Alan Duncan. Yep, that was you know once again. You, you had to be there to see it, Trevor. The, the, the performance and the level of commitment when we went training was was incredible. We had Alan Hutton, he was he was unfortunately he was in the squad, but he yeah. didn't get very much playing time. Now, if there's anybody I've left out of that side, I, I really yeah, I, I think in the sort of squad everybody, that year, everybody did you know, I think uh, Mark Simpson, uh, yes. Stephen Hutton. Yep, sorry um, about that. Yep, yep. Mark but, Simpson was one that I didn't mention. He was, he was, he was. You always had to be on to Mark because he could play, but you know sometimes he was he got too much in his own comfort comfort zone again, yep. and it used to used to annoy me at times, you know, because I knew he could get better. But kept him top of and, and we did well. And Goal scorers that time, I think off the top of my head, I think Peter Thompson got a couple. Um, uh, Stephen Quinn might have got one. Um, I'm sorry, I'm really, you know... And, and for yourself, you, you must have been proud to see, um, because Fernhill has has a has a great history as a club, and then you'd taken them to the highest point in Illawarra football. So in your first year, um, uh, what were you thinking at the end of 84? A great squad, a, a great club, and, and I'm doing okay here. So yeah. um, you must have been uh, fairly content at... What had occurred? Yeah. So I'll just go back a little bit there. Um, Alan Thompson was a player I might not have mentioned either, and he was he yeah. was he was he was great. He was a little terrier again. He was pretty small in stature, but again big in heart, and yeah, he was a very very in, integral part of the side. Yeah. And yeah. and what was your sort of I guess formation or style that year that you'd implemented? More or less, he's played. We knew we had pace yep. and Stephen Quinn and and um, Gary Brooks and. Peter Thompson, you know, so we more or less played a sort of four-three-three. I think yep. that was more or less the systems, you know. But um, you know, no matter what you do, formation you play, you've got ten outfield players and one goalkeeper, and that's it. You just got to sort of try and outweigh your opposition. And of course, it was good to come back to that again, lose the bull eye twice in the competition or the championship, and, and then go in the reverse in the grand final. So uh, you then spent the next uh, another four seasons at Fernhill. Um, it must have been a, a great time for you, um, I guess, A, um, coaching, implementing the coaching that you wanted to see as a player, um, the best of everything you'd seen, and, and take out uh, the negative aspects, mm-hmm. but also, uh, I guess, see uh, players develop and, and try and play quality football all the time. Yeah, yeah, well, um, the warning that I gave the boys, I remember it quite distinctly after the grand final. I, I used the old cliche of, right, that one's over with, we've done that. Yep. It's the next season that counts now. And there was two or three of them sort of went their, went their ways. And um, I think we won the um, pre-season cup. We might even win the Bear Banton Cup the next time. But after that, things started dwindling, you know, players started sort of dropping off and having yep. enough. You know that's once again that's their prerogative, but it gave the opportunity for new players to come in. But um, I, you know weren't weren't nearly half the side that we were. But that's that's you've got to accept that. You know as, as coaching, yeah, we had a few players come down, but we tried hard and we were a competitive side. Yeah, um, I think we actually finished third or fourth the next year. Um, but then from then on, there was a bit of a, a downturn in, in the team. 
And do you think um, you uh, like that as a challenge to say, well, hey, we've lost a couple of players, other teams are improving or or sort of working us out, so that meant that it was a bigger challenge for you and you liked it as a coach? Yeah, well, exactly. My attitude didn't change. I was still as eager as ever. You know, I used to go down and say, set my my training sessions up, and the players appreciated that. You know, a lot of them came up and said, Jerry, that was great, that was magnificent. You know, but uh, life goes on and, you know, it's got to... Where things as 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 it comes up, you know. There was a few, was a few few players. I think Terry Stewart came to us after a little while. Um, you know, I'm really really struggling to sort of at this yeah, point in time to sit down and mention players, but uh, there was a few players came along and yes, yeah, but still still a very very good club. You know, the club was properly run, yeah, well supported who, in the background. Who were some of the sort of uh, background people that you can can recall? Yeah, well, Ray Robo was a Ray Robertson was a was a strapper. Um, yeah. Barry Scott, who became a very very good friend of mine. Um, unfortunately, him and his wife Rita have both passed away. But they they used to have parties, rugby league grand final parties, and things like that. And the social activity was was pretty good at Fernhill, you know. Um, like like it is probably at most other clubs, you know. Yeah, we, we were no different. But it was it was a very happy club. Fernhill was it was a great. I I I thoroughly enjoyed my time there, and there was no problems regarding committees or anything like that. It was it was all. And what sort of coach were you? Because I guess the last coach that you had in in Bobby Fryer was very much a, he could coach, but he was very much a social social person that brought people together as well as the technical side. And then you'd had some other harder coaches, yep. you know. So what sort of coach were you? Well, again, I'd say I I I, I uh, combined most of the we used to do our warm ups, but I combined most of the ball with the little grid sections and so yep. on. Um, you know, little routines, dribbling, passing, shooting, always had things like that, defence against attack, you know, all these sort of things, you know, breaking out breaking out as, as defenders and having targets to hit on the halfway line. Yep. You know, that was realistic from a defensive point of view. It used to have half the field. It's one of my favourite exercises, actually. And then, of course, the forwards attacked the goals. And their, upper, their, their thing was to, to score goals, whereas our, defensively-wise, we had to break out and try and score through two which is hats either side or halfway line used to do a lot of stuff in and around the penalty box 3v3 you know and yep. things like that 4v3 all these sort of things wingers being unchallenged getting crosses into the box finishing off you know the, the, the players in all honesty I must say if that was any gave me satisfaction for players to come up and say Jerry that was a great session so so it wasn't Always about the results or, or game day. It's about no. You know, yeah, I, I still as I the all of coaching. I still maintain my attitude, and um, you know, I, I was learning all the time. I, I would go and buy books if I see something, and see that's a good session, and I tinker with it so that we could you know meet in with what what we were looking for. So, and uh, in um, that eighty eight season, um, uh, and it was your last at Fernhill. You did um, obtain your Australian coaching certificate, so. Yeah. So that must have been, um, I guess, a happy moment for you as well, that even though you'd been coaching for, for a few seasons, yeah. um, to then have it formally applied and yeah. and get that certificate, that must have been an achievement in itself. Yeah, I got that uh, up at the University of New England, Armadale. Yep. And Willie Wallace was in charge of the school. Um, little story there, I could, <laughs> I could tell you what we're doing and. Uh, seemingly one of the um, scorers, if you could call it that, sort of wasn't too sure about my my coaching ability. So I think Willie more or less said, well, you can't not give this guy because he's did this and he's did that and he's played you know, semi-professionally for years and all this type of thing. So that's what Willie tells me anyway. So, <laughs> but so I did get it. I got a, a um, level one Australian certificate. So still got it in my drawer yet. Held on to it in case I needed it. <laughs> <laughs> For yourself, was it was it a mutual decision between yourself and and the committee at Fernhill at the end of '88 that you said, "Well, I've had my time here; it's been brilliant," and but I think it's time for both of us to part. Yeah, that's uh, that was actually a very good friend. Again, uh, it became of Fernhill was a fellow called Max Hobbs, and I always yeah. used to relate to him. Um, and more or less said right from the beginning that I would like to have five years. You know, that yep. was a thing that that's a thing that I said. I think during my interview. I'd like to have five years at the club so they could see that I was there not yeah. for one season but I wanted that type of thing 
So they were quite happy to do that and, 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 and come come my seniors say, yeah, the time was right. So they knew I was going um, and I, I actually had, not an offer, but I'd been approached by uh, another club to would I be interested. So I thought, well, that's that's probably time to move on there. And and that club uh, was at Cringiller in in eighty nine that you then had an offer from. Or? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, I spoke to I spoke to uh, spoke to the president. I think his name is Norm Norm Namovsky or okay. some, somewhere along the lines like that. But Norm, he, he was quite a nice guy, mate. Yeah. And so, um, were you excited then going to Crean Park and and um, having a, a chance with with Cringiller and and sort of a, a new bunch of players and. And a different ground and and all that sort of yeah. the challenges that go with a new club. Yes, well, the good the good thing about Cringilla was they'd built themselves quite a nice little uh, yeah. playing arena up there. In fact, I think most of the recent cup finals have been taken up there now. But Cringilla uh, were always always a side. Technically, they were a very very gifted side. You know the players in the, in the side. You know their, their ball skills, their you know their dribbling abilities yeah. and things like this. Is, you know. Is, or something to behold, you know. So it's I guess, in that respect. I guess, and apologies for interrupting, Jerry, but uh, for people outside the Illawarra, um, Cringilla are, are a Macedonian-based club, and so they had a lot of uh, Macedonian players mm. in their ranks that, um, like you said, were very technically gifted mm. and uh, and skillful in in all shapes and forms. Yeah, yeah, they were. Um, a couple of players that I can remember was Bobby Tupinchewski. Yeah. Um, yeah, Vasco Bozeski, um, uh, yeah, Dusko, Dusko was a good little player. Dusko was very, very good. But one of the best players I've seen probably in district football, and his name was Luby, Luby Talevski, I think his yep. name was, midfield player. Very, very gifted. Um, so you were pretty happy uh, getting in there pre-season, yeah. seeing what the players had. You'd yep. obviously coached or seen them yep. um, as an opposition coach but now in there you were pretty happy so um, uh, how did you how did you like that um, how did you see that year at Cringilla? Well like everything else it started off um, very exciting we actually uh, we get into the pre-season tournament down at, at Cornwall there yep. we get into the final against Dapto uh, unfortunately we lost that game um, and once again if I could say I was mentioning about the the um, soccer abilities of the Cringilla players. Uh, something that I knew, and a lot of people talked about in district football, if you could, if you could get on top of touch sides like Cringilla, and they, that was they were all very, very gifted players. But the thing that they didn't have was, you know, really they were lacking a bit in okay. heart, you know. And 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 that's that's what lost us the game that day. You know, we we went there thinking, you know, we're we're going to win this because I think Dapto were actually a second division side. Yeah, they were in the division below. Yeah, and. Um, we came up and that was that was a bit disappointing to lose to lose that. But I thought we'd kick on from there, but we really didn't. You know, we um, we probably I can't even remember now if we got in the top four that year. And um, you only had a year there. Uh, was it was it more uh, at the end of that year you were sort of saying, well, things aren't working out here, or or was it the committee that came to you? Uh, uh, what happened there? No, yeah, I, I, I did feel deep down that uh, it wasn't really for me. You know, it, um, the players, as I say, they didn't, they didn't have that attitude um, that that, that Fern Hill players had. You know, whether okay. that was with the, with the Macedonian thing and and the Australian thing or the English thing, I really, really don't know. But a lot of them sort of wanted to go their, their way and all this type of thing. But we just didn't, we didn't seem to to gel. Okay. You know, as a combination, so. I really didn't see any sense in, in holding on, uh, so I spoke to Norm, and you know, we, we parted in a, in a good way. You know, there was yeah. no problems about that, and and uh, so I had to move on. You know, did you um, looking back on it now? I guess hindsight's a, a good thing, but do you think that um, maybe you could have done more as a coach to potentially change the playing group, and maybe that if you'd had another year there and they'd got used to your ways. Um, yeah. That things could have turned around. I never really gave it much thought down that line because I was I'd more or less made my mind up that no, it's not for me. And I think I think they, there was a lot of I believe that there was a lot of sponsorship given by spectators within okay. the club and things like that. And I, I, I don't think they were too happy. I always felt some grumblings coming from that, and uh, 
I just, I just felt it wouldn't be comfortable for me to stay there. To, to continue yeah. on. So Kinsella did also have, they had quite a good, quite a reputation about changing their coaches fairly regularly, you know, so it was nothing new to them. So, you know, I just had to, I had to move on there. And, and surprisingly, in, in 1990, you then um, played half a season with uh, Adrian Alston and Ian Funnell at, at Coromel Rangers, who were, who were back in the Premier League. Um, uh, how did this come about? Well, once again, just after probably the decision I had at Kinjilla, uh, I think Cornwall were in the second division then, I think, too. Um, I think that was right. I'm not too sure. Anyway, I thought I thought I could maybe do a job at Cornwall, you know, yeah. regardless of my years. <laughs> was a li- little, no sooner had I joined and <laughs> remember going for a couple of training sessions and I was... <laughs> Breathing a little bit heavy and, and so on, and because uh, you were, I guess, around forty-two yeah, years of yeah. age. Yeah, wasn't, wasn't young, Travis. Wasn't young, unfortunately, but it happens to us all, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, getting on with the story. Um, yeah, Noddy was quite happy for me to. Adrian Olsen was quite happy for me to come and join the club, but there was no promises. Um, started the season, but I remember Noddy took. Very good saying to me, he said, play as long as you can because there will come a day that you're not able to play and then that's the time to give it away. So I more or less, I'll put this into practice now and I'll come <laughs> down and show you. But no, I was, I was, you know, I could see that I wasn't really up to it with the, with the training and with the players for that matter. I played reserve grade. Again, the difference was that I, I really enjoyed my football, you know, yep. but... Uh, because you know, I was I was a little bit ahead of everybody in that department. And in reserve grade, that was. Yeah. I don't think I don't think I ever played a first grade game. Yeah, in the I competition. think you might have come off the bench a couple yeah, of couple times. Of and, like that, yeah. So do you think um, that's what? Because um, the the stats there say that you then only played half a season. That sort of halfway through, you thought, okay, um, this is really it. Um, yeah. I've had a good good run at it, and um, yeah, yeah. it's time to give it up. Yeah, I remember that one night I was, uh, although it's, I probably should have given given Ian a bit more notice, but uh, I woke <laughs> up one morning and I said, "No, that's that's that, this is me. This this is this is the time." <laughs> so I phoned up Ian and said, "Ian, you don't, I hope you don't mind." But uh, again, it was wasn't very nice of me, I suppose. But you know, I maybe should have left it to the next Tuesday training. But uh, yeah, happened. Uh, well, even if it wasn't nice, uh, I guess honesty is the best policy yeah. uh, most of the time, and, and at least you did that. Yeah, Ian, Ian didn't mind. He thanked me for for what I what I did, and um, sorry to see me go, but he wished me all the best, and and that was it. And the following season in '91, you moved down to Dapto. Yeah, and and they were in the third tier or the the second division. Um, why did you take the role there? Well, Tommy Kay, actually Philly Mathias too. I think they remember that night. They came round to my house, right, this this unit that I'm in now. They came round to the unit and saw me and. Uh, um, they showed me pictures of their their new ground down yep. there on the expressway. And just as you turn off to the, the crematorium at uh, yeah, Dapdoor, Canahooka Lodge, Canahuka, yeah, Canahooka Lodge. So they had a th- ground down there. I went down and had a look at it. Look, look, you know, and they they meant out to me that they had a lot of ambition. Yeah, uh, so which way they were heading and things like that. So I knew I knew Tommy. You know, through you know, fellow Scott, and obviously through football and things like that. He was a bit of a character, was Tommy, <laughs> a bit of a chap. Um, so yeah, I, I decided to go down and take things on. You know, and um, that was that was quite a challenge again because the players really didn't know me other than Phil. But I think there's a couple of other players there that had played played against me at some stage. So I was welcome there with you know, open arms, so to say, and and so on. I went with my, the rest of my journey, so to say, yeah. and. Uh, how did you find those those two seasons there, um, and and what were I guess the differences for for yourself personally as a coach between say the Premier League and the Second Division, apart from the obvious two divisions difference? Yeah, but... the good thing that impressed me about Dapto, the training facilities wasn't wasn't the best, the lighting wasn't the best, so that's that was a bit of a that was a bit of a hurdle at that particular time. In, in my respect, I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, Quite a lot of good little juniors coming through because they're a fairly strong area and adapt yeah. to adapt their zone. But um, it was more or less a case of marking time. But we, we didn't we, well. I'm sure the club would say the same thing too. They didn't really go as as, as far as they thought they would have been, would have gone, and and the development this didn't seem to be there, you know. But um, so I, you know, this, it was getting close, and I thought to myself, well, I'm, you know, the driving down there and. The, the training conditions, what you had to train under, sort of, you know, it didn't really 
gel with me or sit with me or whatever. So and second division football was uh, yeah quite yeah. different to yeah it was you know Premier there's, League. There's no two ways about it in terms it. of grounds and yeah and that's players. right. I, I believe that grounds is a big big thing you know in your decision and what you do and where you go. But you know comparing apples with apples, I suppose you could say it's, in this case it's not. But you know you look at the likes of uh, the conditions, training conditions we had it or I had at Fernhill. Yep. And to a lesser extent, Cringilla, and then you, but you kept on, as you said. The more you went down, the lower the divisions went down. That was that was that's what it was, was, Travis. So you just had to, you know, accept it or or make another decision that popping out, I suppose, <laughs> and bailing so, out. So say. at the end of '92, you then made. Uh, was it a mutual decision between yourself and the DAPDO committee to say, well, I've had my time here. Um, I'm now moving on. And... Yeah, yeah. The good thing about Dapto was I, I, I was able, I was able to uh, because of the division that you're in. I was able to go along, and I used to I had three or four games, half a dozen games maybe, with the with the lower grades, and yeah. they enjoyed it because I was I was in a situation you got to do this. So I was Coaching playing, 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 and playing, and, and in playing the, and instructing, the and they enjoyed grade. that. The kids, when I say the kids. Yeah. The younger players enjoyed that, you know, because um, it, it also got started getting them results. You know, they were pretty low down the league, and it, and so it started. We started winning a few games, then, so you could see <laughs> the change in their attitude. They were lo- they were loving it, but yeah. And for yourself, uh, you finished up there. Um, uh, did you just put an application in with Coromel Rangers for '93, or or did they seek you out? I'm just not quite sure about that one, Travis. But um, I think I, I think I still had to go for a, for an interview. So yep. I would say it would have been an application, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And were you pretty happy to sort of get get back amongst Premier League after sort of three seasons out, um, playing in '1990 with Coromel and then two years in the second division coaching? Well, the whole thing about Coromel was it was, it was on my doorstep. <laughs> you know, I mean that was that was probably an issue. And again, you coming, I'm coming back to the training conditions. You know, yep. they had quite quite good training conditions, like they had the main park and then they had the the lighted B park. You know, just outside the front there. So the conditions were good. Um, again, you know, they 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 had ambition about getting back, getting back to the higher, the first yeah. division. Yeah, Peter Dent was, was was this guy who was in charge there, and, and again I got on very well with the committee down there. Met a few friends, met, met some very good friends. Kevin Squires, yep. his wife used to, used to work in the canteen. Like Kevin, both of those are now passed away, I believe. So, yeah, but yeah, it was a good time. Still see Peter, and yeah, yeah, we well, well, Peter's done quite a bit for. Yeah, he's, he's, and, he's, 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 and he's a dynamo, isn't he? He's a great man in, in district football. He's been around ever since I can remember. And is he still involved, Travis? Yeah, yeah. Know, he's, he? uh, I think even last year, even though uh, still involved at Coromel and, and still helped out Football South Coast in in the on the men's council. So yeah, um, yeah. yeah a, a very very good man. Yeah, of course I can. I, I was actually didn't didn't go to a lot of games, but I used to go watch Tarawana, being a local side. But I did actually go to the uh, grand final this year yep. when Cormo took it out, and yeah, I remember seeing Peter there that day. <laughs> Same old smile, you know. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, yeah, yeah. The, how days have changed. The Cormo side that day and the Cormo side that, that I had it was a bit of a bit yeah, of change. Huge, huge yeah, difference. Huge difference. It's good yeah. to see Cormo going well again. At the end of '93, you stayed on, uh, but uh, Cormo. Um, for whatever reason, and I don't know what transpired behind the scenes, but they merged with Russellville and became Northern United. Um, so, for you, did it did it change in '94 that you then um, sort of had two clubs? <coughs> I guess um, things had changed. You were still playing at Memorial Park, but um, you know it wasn't just a name change. It was sort of, I guess, a change of players, uh, extra people on the committee, or two different committees working together. How did you find it? Yeah, that was a, that was the amalgamation with uh, Russell Vale and Cornwall. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, um, I think at that time we were still training at uh, the old Russell Vale ground. Yeah, that's where we did the pre-season training. I'm sure, but we played our games as you said at Memorial Park. That again was quite a good side. Um, yeah. it was a side that um, Billy Clancy, PPS Zero, yeah, uh, Glenn Keaton, um, was a very good player. Um, Anthony Guido. Yep. Who I think had been, who had uh, yeah, come from, from the from the Wolves, very very good finisher, tremendous. Yeah, we we, we, we started off tremendously well. We we um, 
we won about uh, four games, five games, undefeated anyway. After about five, six, five or six games, we were undefeated. Might have been one or two draws in there, but we were we were looking like a very, very good side. And I think we won. I think we might have gotten to the semi-finals of the the Coram Leagues. You know, we looked like having a good season, um, but unfortunately, um, we got we got a few injuries. Glenn got a pretty bad injury, I believe, um, and Anthony Guido. Got an injury that put him out for the rest of the season. So, so when you got a quality a defender and a big, quality yeah, attacker at the core of your team. Yeah. Billy Clancy was a very good good friend of mine. I'd like to believe, but uh, he was he was a, he was a great player. You know. Yeah, tell us a bit about Billy because um, you know he's now known around the traps. Yeah. But um, what were his uh, I guess positive qualities as a player? His attributes. Yeah, yeah. Well, his his determination, his will to win. Uh, his attitude was just great, you know, and um, his character as a person, as an individual. He was a good, he was a good model to, for players to sort of say, that's the sort of commitment that we need to, 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 to do well. Yeah. Very, very, uh, very impressed with Billy's. But, yeah. And uh, at the end of 94, um, and your sort of two seasons there at Memorial Park, uh, it, it finished up. Was, was that just a matter of you thought it was time or, or had... Uh, you sort of said to yourself, "Well, not overly happy here," or or what happened? Yeah, I just I, I just felt there was a bit of interference um, from from the committee um, aspect of it, and I uh, once again probably similar to the McCormell situation. I just woke up and sort of said to myself, "Right, Jerry, this is I'm not really happy here." Um, yeah. So I decided it was the right time to. To call it quits, but I didn't. You know, I did the right thing that time. I think I gave, you know, to finish up at the end of the season, and yeah. and, and that was it. So yeah. And you then uh, in '95 moved on to Coniston, Macedonia. Um, how did that um, role come about to to go to JJ Kelly Park? Yeah, well, when you said um, when when I was coaching at Fernhill, there was a player came and joined us. Might have been was certainly wasn't the first season. Might have been the second or third season. Fella called. Uh, uh, Jimmy again, forget just forget his second name, but he again I thought was when he stopped being a fairly good friend of mine. Um, he was on the Macedonian committee at the time, yep. and he asked me to come and join the club, and so I gave it a bit of a thought, and I thought myself, well, you know, the signs up at Kinsella I really didn't like very much, and, yep. but I thought I'd give it. A ch- I, th- I thought I'd give it a try, you know. So uh, I went down again and met the committee. There was I don't know whether they had to put an application in but I made the committee and they decided to you know to, to take me on yeah and what do you recall of, of that year in 95 with Coniston Macedonia something similar something similar to the Kringilla situation you know the, the, the players the players really didn't take me on I felt you know it was a case yep. of you no know, I think you know not, I don't really particularly like what you're doing and that's not what I want to do you know they wanted to sort of there was one or two were pretty good but there was two to me, two or three of them that just didn't accept me as to what I was, what my philosophy was, probably yep. in the game. Um, so you know that 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 didn't surprise me though. You know, I've got to be honest because as I said earlier on, you know, it's um the lack just of just reminded the, you the, the, the lack of yeah, yeah exactly, and sometimes the lack of commitment, the lack of belief as to what we were doing and what we were preparing for, and then on the game too, you know, and some results went against us badly and. You know, once again, there's a few rumblings in the committee. I, mean, yep. I think they were, again, a bit of sponsorship coming from them. So I thought to myself, well, this is this is exactly like the same as Congilla. But no disrespect to clubs. It was just, it just that happens in life, you know, the coaching life at all levels of football. So but the time, again, was right for me to go. And so you it. did see it the, the whole year at Coniston? Yes, yes. I didn't uh, I didn't uh, throw the bag in. I, I, just, I, yep. I saw the season out, but... Uh, that was me. And and what were you thinking at the end of that season? Because I guess it's it's hard when you start your coaching career off with with winning the double. Yeah. Um. And then I guess um, it wasn't necessarily a slip, slippery slope. Yeah. Because you'd had uh, um, other bits of success at the other clubs you were at and and, and done okay. But um, were you sort of thinking, well, this is me done for the moment and. And um, you weren't contemplating any other offers. Once again, you get you get you get winter coming in. You get the cold nights and things <laughs> like that. You know, you just, 
you know, I wasn't really looking forward to, and I didn't have the best of ankles, you know, I had, had an operation earlier on, or no, I hadn't had the operation early by that time, but I had a pretty bad ankle, well, actually, but I've been carrying through all my, all my, all my soccer career, and um, that wasn't easy then to get around and to do, demonstrate what you wanted the guys yeah. to do, which I, which I enjoyed doing, you know what I mean, that was, that and, was part of it. And you were a, a coach, like you said before, that um, thrived on training, yeah. not just game day, yeah, so, right. so that was a part of it. So yeah, that was it, was, Sorry. So was it a part of a surprise that then you you got a call from Casey De Bruin in '96 to to come down to Lysart, um Soccer Club and 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 assist him as his assistant in first grade? Yeah. Well, once again, I knocked on the door and opened the door, and there was Casey. I think I was fully there, fully with him then for for my time. Phil, Phil was playing with he, him. Well, yeah. I think he was maybe there that night as a, as. as you know, as, as part of the a backup man for Casey, not that, not <laughs> not that you could get on top of Casey, you never could. But Casey came in and you know I had a hell of a lot of respect for him. You know yep. he was a qualified FIFA coach, I believe, and, yeah. and things like that. So and Lysats were a pretty good side, you know. And and again, you know the conditions, the training conditions were, you know, lighting and things like that was really really good. So and the big thing was it was. It, it took a bit of pressure on, off me, and maybe that's the thing I forgot to mention. Maybe it was the pressure of of coaching, you know, coaching not doing results. so well and getting results. Yeah, get you know that, that was maybe the thing that was getting to me. And I said, "Look, I'm not really enjoying this." And uh, to use to use Norris' cliche, you you know, to go as long as you can because there will come a time that you can't do it anymore. And that was that was that was to that. But anyway, back with Casey again. Um, yeah, down I went there, but they, they're, a, they're a good side, you know, and very professionally well run, good club, good backing, you know, yeah. the, the committee were, you know, Australian or English, excuse me for using that reference again, but they really were, you know. And and what was your role as his assistant? Yeah, yeah, well, actually it's the first time I did it and it was something that I'm not too sure whether Casey did it with his previous assistants, but what I used what he used to get me to do was to go down and watch the opposition side, the following that we were playing the following Wait. weekend, and I'd come back with a report with a little dossier of literally as to who who what way they played, what structure they had, you know who was who was was there any good players on the day, or that would but that would be the only thing that, you know one player could have a great game and next week he'd have a stinker, but you never but it gave Casey a bit of an an inside. Not that, he, not that he didn't know what to do, but that so that was that was my role at the weekends. I was a bit missed out a little bit because I wanted to sort of go and see the first grade playing too. But no, I settled into that and it was quite good. You know, because the good thing was it took a lot. The top, it definitely took the, as you said earlier, Travis. It took the pressure off me. You know, it was a good role that I enjoyed. Because in '96, um, Lysart's, uh, uh won the league championship, and I think they for a second year in a row they'd lost the grand <coughs> final, but still a highly successful year. But it probably gives the listener, I guess, and that's why I wanted to talk about it, um, an insight into how professional Casey is. It's not just what he does mm. uh, as a coach on Tuesday and Thursday and, and Saturday, but what he gets someone like yourself who's been there, done that, and mm. then you were there watching the opposition for, for the following week at another ground. Yeah, yeah, well, that's that's what you set out, whether it had any influence or um, gave him a... A bit of an inside, I'd say that was that's that's what it was. But that that that's the way the club was run. Yep. You know, you went there and and you did what you were asked of you. You know what I mean? And it, it was all about respect. You know, I remember yep. the one thing that I used to do. I quite enjoyed my role there at, at the Lysax because what you also had me doing was when I went down there Tuesdays and Thursdays or whatever nights we were yep. training, I would take the warm up sessions, and I was always quite good again at that. Yeah. A bit of variety, and the players enjoyed that too. You know, before they, then when Casey would take bulk of the team away I, I would maybe do goalkeeping training with, yep. with, with Warwick Young which he enjoyed because it, you know it was goalkeepers always like being one on one trained as goalkeepers you know not, yep. not that type of thing and then I'd take the remaining squad and again I'd go back to always use the same go back to my little training sessions yep. at Lysatch you know and that I did at Fernhill and things like that and they were the boys were chuffed with that so it was again it was an acceptance from their point yep. and it was like an acceptance from the first grade Casey was a strict disciplinary guy yeah and he stood for no definitely nonsense definitely his way of the highway that's right yeah but the players respected it you know what I mean like they knew fairly well if they didn't you know you couldn't win with you couldn't win and I don't mean that derogatory case no, to no, Casey no. And, and, and 
it was definitely positive. For yourself, um, the football that was played, and, and I've spoken to, I guess, Mike Hollyfield, and, and um, you know, he spoke of a couple other people, Peter Beggs, that said in that period, Lysarts, the football that they played was of a high standard, mm. and they were trying to play proper football in terms of passing and, yeah. and, uh, and the way their movement off the ball. Uh, was it a disappointment, um, not that you were watching their, their games at home because you were at, at the opposition for the following week, but was it disappointing that Lysart's Recreation Oval had a, a cricket pitch in the middle of it and was a bit slippery at times and, and not up to... They could have played even a bit better, even well, if it's only well, 1% or 2%. But, yeah, perhaps, that's very true. But the, the, the cricket pitch wasn't... You know, we had a cricket pitch... Uh, earlier in the interview, you talked, I talked about Mona Park up at Auburn. Yep. Uh, it wasn't so obvious at Lysas, but the thing, the good thing about the Lysas over was it was, you know, it was like a table, it was you know, yeah, it was beautiful, it was a big ground, you know. It was, um, so, so the players, I, I, the players may not have had, uh, might might not agree with that, but it was a, quite a good stadium, quite a good ground to play at, you know. Yeah, it was a picturesque yeah, ground, yeah. and it's. It's uh, good luck to Collegians as a rugby league club that they've got that um, yeah, asset now yeah. and, and they've worked hard for that. But yeah. um, it's it's disappointing that um, football in the Illawarra hasn't hasn't mm. got that ground in as a ground for a yeah. team like Weishart's. So Casey moved on in '96 and Phil um, <clears throat> Phil Matthias took over and then did one better in '97. So you stuck around to to do the same type of role with Phil in 97 or did it change slightly it, with Phil? It changed slightly with Phil. I think probably even, even I think that me going to the games only happened for the first season with, with uh, yep. I think after that, you know, Casey sort of went back to just what the norm is. Yeah. Quite enjoy it. But yeah, Phil was, Phil more or less took, took over then from, um, from Casey. Yep. So he had the same ideas as Casey, Phil Casey's philosophy. I'm quite sure he had notes from Casey and things like that. So the players also went along with it too, you know. So it wasn't a, a drastic changeover type of thing, a changing of the guard, so to say. It was just it's pretty seamless. Yeah, it's, it's pretty, you know, pretty easy to sort of blend into. So um, Phil, Phil and I got on really well together, you know, and had because had you, done had, had a relationship with, with him. Yeah, we played at Coniston together, and um, you know, from through so from there, you know, so he respected me and I respected him. So. And I must say this for a young coach, he, he was exceptionally good. You know, he was very pronounced in his uh, in his statements and his sessions. And like, I want you to do this. So he was, he was, he was a bit of a, a bit like Casey. He had, he had Casey's um, attitude, attitude and, and you know, little little things that he'd say and he'd do. And he'd, he'd, that's Casey Junior type of thing. <laughs> but uh, he did a great job. And um, again, the. The most important thing, as I mentioned, all over is um, the respect. The players had the respect for him, and they showed it. Showed that, you know. And do you recall uh, anything of the the winning grand final that year that that Lysarts won under Phil? Uh, well, that was at the um, the back road there at the, the old where Rose used to Brandon play. Park, yeah. Brandon Park again, a nice stadium to play. Yeah, we, you know, we, we were a good side. Uh, I, I can't. Was it two one or something? We won the grand. Yeah, final. I, I believe it was. It's a bit scratchy on that, but it's funny, you know. You you can remember players of, <laughs> you can remember players of fifteen, twenty years ago, and you can't remember something of you know, two or three years ago. <laughs> um, but it was a, yeah, it was a good, good feeling good that you were, a, like you said, a, a definitely a big part of, um, yeah, yeah. Of, of the club and and you know the committee and, and yeah. players and, yeah. and other coaches accepted you yeah. and. And you were part of the team. Yeah, I remember. I remember there was one game in particular. Um, Phil had actually gone in for a little operation, and we were playing Bulai uh, down at down at uh, at Taraji's, Taraji's ground. Yep. So I was more or less. I took the hell on that night, yeah. and um, you know, I remember putting up the blackboard, and I sort of gave this and that. I got I got the feeling and the buzz again, you know. And, <laughs> Uh, we won that night and we played quite well. And I remember some of the committee men went back to Cornwallis Club. And they were saying, "Not, not that we need you, but you know, why don't you get back into coaching again? That was brilliant." And this and that, you know. So it was good to hear these sort of accolades. And, yeah, definitely. But no, nah, it, it was nice to hear it. But it's the same old story in the back of your mind. Um, you know, no, no, thanks because that's what I said to you. Uh, the cold nights and the, it didn't get any easier. But the whole thing was too. I think that was very, very close. Then when I. Uh, 
when I went in for an operation yeah. on my ankle, it was just unbearable, you know. So, and so, yeah. like I said, you you went out a winner, and and that's <clears> the sort of last time that you were, I guess, officially involved in in coaching at, at Lice Arts there and, and helping Phil Matthias. So, like you said, um, your years of football and and um, the way you'd played and the way you'd trained had sort of caught up with you yeah, in, in yeah, terms of your ankle. Yeah, 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 yeah that's right. And, uh, you know, like everything else, that, uh, it's looking back on it, it's, there's, it comes times that you've got to, you know, call it quits. And that was, I think that was a good opportunity then to, to sort of say, well, that's good enough for me. <laughs> I've done, I've, I've done enough. Uh, I guess um, uh, we end up with this conversation now, an interview, and and I've been uh, extremely fascinated by by your sense of adventure, and that your willingness to to take things on that most of us might not try, um, moving overseas and moving from one continent to then another continent, yeah, yeah. and then um, you know trying out playing and coaching and. And doing different things, um, do you see um, that as a a great thing to look back on? That you tried all these things and and were successful, um, even though you might not have been in in terms of um, a result sense, but you were always successful in that you tried something and you gave it a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's um, I think it was built into me again, going back to to my Portal Park youth days. Yep. Um, Bobby always instilled in me the fact that, um, you know, have the right sort of character, the right sort of attitude, the respect for people, other people's meanings and thoughts, things yeah. like that. You never go far wrong. So I've, I really have thoroughly enjoyed it. I sort of um, lost a little bit as far as going to spectate the game. I went up to a few games, but the, it just didn't seem to be the same. You yeah. know, you're... I like I like when I go to watch a soccer game. I like to go and watch a soccer game and yep. what's going on. But other people would sort of be speaking to you and be so a bit, bit more social and things like that. So that's what sort of kept me away from the game a little bit. But uh, yeah, looking back on on what I've did and what I've achieved, it, you know, some of the some of the games I can remember as though it was yesterday, as I said earlier <laughs> on. And other ones you struggle to think, well, who played that day and what was the side, you know? And it was only about three or four years ago, for example. I know yeah, it's, yeah. I, I know it's more, you know, but. but yeah. yeah, you must be uh, proud, and you should be proud of what you've achieved, Jerry. Uh, in regards to um, going back to to Apostle Park, um, do you want to talk a, a bit about two things there about the the international tournament that they held um, back in the sixties, and and about another gentleman that had a relationship with your brother? Yeah, well, the uh, the whole thing about Apostle Park was started off as as, as we've already uh, mentioned. But uh, they used to go overseas to, to, to Holland, to America, to Germany. They were invited over to all these inter- international tournaments. So something came around, a place called Cowl, C-O-W-A-L, which was yep. a, a little um, island or something, something to that effect. So they decided to start up this tournament over there, and I think it ran from something like 1970, early 70s to the 80s. Tremendous tournament. Um one of the one of the one of the finals, they got a crowd of six thousand people at the game, and you would get people like Jockstein, um, you know, all, all the famous famous names, yeah. um, you know, Glasgow Rangers managers would go over. John Gregg would go over there and watch, and because the talent was just was there to be seen, not only from Postal Park but from American youth sides, and, and, and there was Island. Icelandic, there was an Icelandic team that actually won it, won one of the, won one of the. Uh, won one of the the trophies that one of the years, but it went went from um, I think somewhere around seventy one to seventy nine, so very very good, and it was great for the uh, Danun. That was that was the name of the town. It was it was great for the town. You know, it was like you know, the money the, the, the local got, economy. The economy from. they got was just must have been tremendous. So oh. I've only only read about it through 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 Bobby Denny's the scout book. Yep. But I also uh, been told by a few other people. But yeah, getting back to the other one, um, my brother, who um, who had he had this multiple sclerosis problems, and um, he had two boys, uh, Billy and Drew, and one of them, Drew, actually went down to uh, Coventry City yep. uh, for a trial, uh, and this other fella called John Henry, who yep. became very very friendly with Drew. Now he lived in a place called Lennox Town, 
and my brother lived in a place with these boys lived in a place called Scythe and Eric used to go regardless of his disabilities um, Eric used to pick up John Henry and for training even and pick him up in all the games and John John Henry's actually got an autobiography out now and um, it's called Don't Call Me Happy that's the name of the thing but he makes mention of Eric and May who is Eric's wife's uh, Eric's wife my apologies he makes uh, mention of Eric how, how um, he satisfied he was and held him to great esteem yeah as to what he did so that was a, that was a nice accolade for the man and um, Drew would appreciate me saying that too well um it's been fascinating. I think we're, you know, uh, in between two and three hours, but uh, at not one minute um, has there been anything where I thought yeah. uh, this is ho-hum. It's been uh, a roller coaster of a ride, Jerry, yeah, yeah. and um, you've accomplished so many things. Um, uh, is there anything else that you want me to to discuss or, yeah. or talk well, about? Well, just going on about this John Henry, this is, a, this, this, this is a typical professional soccer player's life or what it can be like. Yeah. And we started off going from Postal Park down to Coventry City. Coventry City signed him up, whereas with Drew, um, they just felt he wasn't quite good enough, so they released him. But John actually went on, played at Coventry City for four years. And um, he was, you know, um, he went there and the manager... Forgetting how it was, but it was a well well known player. But further down the track, a fellow called Bobby Gould, who used to play for Coventry, he yep. became manager, and um, he just didn't. Him and John just didn't get on. <laughs> now, John had played at under twenty three levels for Scotland. That's how fair a player he was. But anyway, it finishes up after four years. He, he was besotted by injuries too. You know, he had quite yeah. a few injuries. But anyway, Bobby Gould finishes up giving him a free transfer. Bobby Gould, that's sort of uh, John Henry, then goes down to I think it's something like Hereford, for, after, you know, which we were in the fourth division, and from there he got an actually got an offer to go to to Bradford City, and that was around um, I think it was around about 80, 84, 85 or something like that. And of course, people may not be aware that's when the uh, it was the last game of the season, mm. and uh, they'd already won the championship to come up to the second division and they had the Bradford mm. Bradford disaster which killed something like fifty six tragic fifty six people. So he was there for a few years and then, then he, he got an an offer moved on to Newcastle, Newcastle United, so he started coming back up the tears and then from there he went to um he um, he went to Leeds United. Oh Leeds yeah, 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 a time at Leeds. But then he also had a situation there where he came against a, a, a coach who really didn't like him all that much. So he then finished up going to Middlesbrough, and then Middlesbrough he got on very very well, three or four successful seasons there. And finally, but not last, he went he went 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 to, down to Barnsley. Now Barnsley again were in the lower division. I think they were in about started on the third division. And uh, I think I'm correct in saying this, but they actually gained consecutive years promotions. Yeah. And finished up in 1977. I think it was getting back into the top tier of the English football. So that's you know that's that's a situation where, in the first instance, when he was given a free transfer from Coventry City, he could have gone into the depths of despair. But he he's supposed to show you the, chari- the character of the man. And um, you read his you read his biography, and you can see there that he was determined. He was a gutsy type of guy. So, and um, notwithstanding sometimes the difference between um, his career and your career in terms of clubs played at, but mm. you know you. Um, as we've spoken about in the last two to three hours, uh, you've had a, a similar uh, experiences yeah. in terms of disappointments, but then, yeah. like you said, character and yeah. and the determination to then go on and and try out and be successful in different countries such as South Africa and Australia. Yeah. Well, as I say, that's you know you, you, you're comparing things. I I I often reading uh, reading uh, John's uh, biography. Um, I often think to myself, well, switch right, right back to when I first came out here, South yeah. Coast United, when, when um, they put me up for transfer. It wasn't wasn't a fantastic fee, but you know, I think I mentioned at the time there's a few of the boys actually turned to district football. Yep. But I thought to myself, no, I'm not ready for that yet. Yeah, that's right. And, um, that's a perfect story in lines with what John's yeah, obviously no, there's, a higher parallels I there agree, for sure. You know, so. Uh, and yeah, so and seventy seven, you you're then in the NSL. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So you know, you, it's, you just never know if you're a bit of a determination, and yeah, I want to have a go at that ambition. I want to do that. You know, 
and then goes on from there. But a great, a great life, football. It's, it's been a great life for me, and and I've I've accumulated so many friends from it. It's uh, incredible. Well, I I think that's what I get a, a real sense of is that you had a, a sort of adventurous personality and heart, and um, you had uh, definitely the discipline and the determination to to succeed and and. Uh, always give something a go so uh, Jerry I'd like to thank you very much for allowing me into your home and and spending this time with you and and helping me out in in many ways that you have and uh, I greatly appreciate your time on the podcast. Thank you Travis I'd just like to if you could give me the privilege uh, when I was at Fernhill we actually we developed a five-a-side team that yep. went into the and played down at the uh, at the um, indoor stadium there at Ferry Meadow um, and they were just couple of guys from the committee and one think Peter Thompson was on the side and we actually finished up winning it would you believe and you know and, and that, those five players still see one another you know Dennis Critcher, Max Hobbs, Paul Pennergas, myself, Martin Comley and Peter Thompson, Craig Armour who just lives across yeah. the road so we still see one another regularly so the camaraderie and we often, yeah, we often still have a, exists we and often, friendships we often talk about that actually I think we beat Bulgaria I think <laughs> Glenn Kearton was on the side along with a couple of other players so now, that's the sort of thing you can do if you. That's a typical thing that if you want to put your mind to it and, and and want to do it enough and have the belief, you know, there's there's no holdbacks for anybody. It's there for it's available for everybody. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you, Jerry. Appreciate it. Thanks for your time, Travis. Thank you. There you have it, another interview done and dusted. Thanks again to Jerry for his time. I respect and appreciate him. I am your host, Travis. Goodbye for now. (laughs) 